when Overworld becomes Underworld. A unique dungeon that plays out both above and below ground is the center of discussion today on Legendary Adventures Podcast. This was the first time in years that I've tackled Skull Woods as a third dungeon of the game. Much like the original game, players can take most of the Dark World dungeons out of sequence. In slight contrast to the first game, there are only three dungeons that require items from other dungeons in order to complete them. Also like the original game, players must complete all other dungeons before entering the final dungeon. On most of my past playthroughs, I've chosen to tackle at least Dark World Dungeon 4, Thieves Town, before heading to Skull Woods. That's mostly because I remember Skull Woods being a particularly challenging dungeon my first time playing through. Playing through it today, however, I can see that Skullwoods is not as complex as it first appears. But there is a much greater number of optional rooms in this dungeon compared to others. Skullwoods contains a clear horror theme. Where the Light World's Lost Woods had tunnels made out of hollowed logs, Skullwoods has tunnels made out of giant snake-like rib cages. And true to its name, there are also skulls. Many submerged in the ground so only the eyes are visible, but a few stick completely out of the ground with monstrous gaping mouths that serve as doors to enter the dungeon proper. Inside the dungeon, the walls are covered in thick vines, and there are skeletal bas-relief sculptures carved into them. Among the enemies players will face are the skeletal Stalfos. We've faced these multiple times already. There's also mummy enemies called Gibdo, and giant hands called Wallmasters. Both the Gibdo and the Wallmaster originate from the first game, and they make their first appearance in A Link to the Past here. The Wallmaster behaves differently in this game compared to the first. True to their name, in the first game they emerge from the wall. This time they drop from the ceiling. In both games, if a Wallmaster manages to grab Link, it'll carry him back to an entrance. And in both the original game and A Link to the Past, the Gibdo are tougher than your average enemy. Here they have an added weakness to fire. A single hit from the fire rod can defeat a Gibdo. On paper, Skullwoods doesn't look terribly complex. The dungeon map reveals only two basement level floors. The second level comprises only one room. The first level is sort of an L shape, and it's clear from the map that the two portions of this first floor are not directly connected. This dungeon must be navigated by traveling back and forth between the forest on the overworld and the dungeon below. It's a large expansion of the concept introduced in the Desert Palace, where players needed to leave the dungeon in order to re-enter it and complete it. This, however, is much more complex, with more entrances. Some are hidden. The woods themselves are also laid out like a maze. If players enter the forest from the north, they'll only find dead ends. Players must enter from the south. In addition to the skull doors I mentioned, there are also holes hidden under bushes that serve as entrances to the dungeon. The first skull door leads directly to a room containing the big chest. There is no visible way to reach it, however, and players will not have the big key at this point. The room adjacent to it contains the map. There are also star switches that move the holes on the ground. Players will not be able to progress past this room due to the holes. Instead, players will have to return to the forest above and then cut away at a 3x3 grid of bushes to reveal a hole in the ground. This hole drops the players to the other side of the map room. Here they'll find a vulnerable wall, which leads to a room with a switch. Players will have to change the location of some holes on the floor to open the path to the big chest. However, they can't open it, so they'll have to exit the dungeon again and then head north through a ribcage tunnel, and then south through a second to a second skull door. This leads players to a room with a switch that must be held down by a statue. Players must drag this statue in place while avoiding a wallmaster. In the now open room to the north, players acquire a big key, allowing them to return to the big chest and get the fire rod. 
This rod flings fireballs, allowing Link to light torches and burn foes. As with the other dungeons of this game, Skull Woods is separated into two distinct segments. What I just described is the first segment, and with the fire rod in his possession, Link can now enter the second. Requiring an item to complete a dungeon was a rarity in the first two games, but with A Link to the Past we can see this concept becoming more common. To reach the second segment of Skull Woods, players need to return to the entrance where they found the big key and then head west, eventually finding an exit to the south. Players will head north through a ribcage tunnel to find a structure made to look like a massive monstrous face. It has horns and tusks maybe? Its eyes are closed and a large centipede sticks out from the mouth. Using the fire rod, players can burn the centipede away. The eyes of the structure open, staring at the player, daring them to go in. So we walk in the mouth to get to the second segment of the dungeon. Upon entering, players will find a long bridge over a room that leads to a locked door. It's possible to reach this portion of the dungeon with a key already in your pocket, but you'll have to explore some of the optional rooms in the first segment. I did not have one, which meant I needed to head down the stairs and navigate sort of a maze underneath the bridge. Players need to dart back and forth while dodging an electric ball enemy. Then they need to get a key in an adjacent room that contains spike traps and enemies before backtracking to open the door. The next room also stands out. It features a series of star switches that players will have to activate to move holes. Players will crisscross the room hitting a switch and then moving to the next to eventually reach a door on the eastern wall. In the next room, the fire rod comes in handy. It's packed with gibdo and has five torches that need to be lit to open a door. The following room features a number of enemies and an apparent dead end. There's also a swirling yellow energy disc that will transform Link back into a bunny if he's hit. The solution here is to slash away at vines on the wall to reveal a hidden entrance, bringing back a concept that players first saw in Hyrule Castle before facing Aghanim. It's not much further until players come to the boss room entrance. This one, however, is different from the others we've come across so far. Instead of a door, it's a hole in the floor. Falling through the hole leads to the boss, Mothula. As the name implies, it is a giant moth, and there's a lot going on in this fight. Mothula flies around the room, occasionally shooting out beams in three directions. The floor is a massive conveyor belt, and the walls are lined with spike traps that occasionally switch places on the walls. There's so much going on in this fight that the frame rate drops, causing the game to chug. It took me two tries to defeat Mothula. The first time I attempted to use the fire rod, but it didn't work too well for me. Lining up a hit seemed difficult, and I ended up taking a lot of damage. I found it easiest just to stick close to Mothula and hit it with spin attacks. Once Mothula is defeated, players are again awarded with a heart piece, and the third maiden is free. This maiden tells Link a prophecy, the prophecy of the Great Cataclysm. According to the maiden, this prophecy states if someone with an evil heart gets the Triforce, only someone from the bloodline of the Knights of Hyrule can defeat him. If the evil one defeats the hero, there will be nothing that can stop them. She says Link is of the Knights of Hyrule bloodline. Next week we head south to the village of Outcasts, and the fourth Dark World dungeon, Thieves Town. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing and following along. Please also consider sharing this podcast with another Zelda fan. I'm Paul Riley. Thanks for listening.